trailer pools. For those unaware, I don't mean a pool with a trailer in it. We refer to trailer pools as a location where you can stage equipment to have it loaded without such pesky things such as a live load appointment. Now for large carriers, these trailer pools are a way to leverage size and access consistent contract load volumes. But for smaller carriers, getting access can be hard because most lack the excess capital to invest in extra equipment. Now, can freight brokers offer large carrier access for small carrier benefits? And what's this concept of trailer as a service? Well, folks, strap in. We're going to find out this episode of The New World. Welcome to Loaded and Rolling. I'm your host, Thomas Watson. It's summertime, and while FreightWaves doesn't have a pool yet, I thought I would let some experts talk to us today about trailer pools. Now, traditionally, large enterprise carriers use thousands of trailers, and it kind of allows them, quite literally, to stake their claim with a trailer pool. Now, this benefits the customer who gets the flexibility to load at their convenience and the carrier who gets to save valuable time not waiting for a dock. But for smaller trucking companies, that level of access seems more like a pipe dream. Often your larger Fortune 100 shippers only talk with larger trucking companies or brokers, leaving most of the trucking industry staring outside the window like a sad child in a Charles Dickens novel. Luckily though, freight brokerages are starting to create savvy solutions to give smaller carriers finally their seat at the table and not the kids one. Usually a brokerage touts itself as asset light, but the future might mean trailer heavy. Uh, to reap the benefits of large trucking with the technology to give smaller companies access. It's going to be important, folks, as when the trucking business cycle changes, spot rates decline, and a large share of the market returns to contracted lanes, these carriers may need a lifeline, and a trailer-as-a-service technology may provide that solution. Joining us today to talk about the exciting world of trailer pools and trailer-as-a-service are Shannon Breen and John Gamero, founders of the logistics tech startup Freightvana. Now, before founding Freightvana, both Shannon and John were veterans from Knight Swift and have an extensive background of asset-based trucking at various executive-level positions. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, Thomas. Hey, Thomas. Hey, Thomas. Thanks for having us. Happy to have you all on again. I wanted to have you on because we have some recent news and talking about trailer as a service. Talk a little bit about uh, you guys recently partnered with Wabash, correct? That's yeah, right. that, that came out a few weeks ago. Um, it's been something we've been working on for a while. I'm really excited about what that partnership unlocks for us, Thomas, in the future. Clearly a, a little bit different type of collaboration than, than some of our peers have done um, and definitely a different path than, than most in the space. Um, so we're really excited about that partnership and where it can take us and the industry. And, you know, John, talking about collaborations and stuff, collaborating especially with trailers as a broker, for those who don't know, most brokerages are asset light. Is this kind of something where getting these collaborations, is there a competitive advantage by putting some skin in the game? Yeah, absolutely. We, we see there being a ton of collaborative advantage from partnering. When you do put these assets in, you get access to uh, contractual freight that tends to exist and endure better through cycles. So in, in getting contractual freight um, that can be there in a much more steady fashion, we feel like we can show up as an even better partner for our carriers that are wondering where their next loads are going to come from, what they're going to look like, are they going to keep them in areas they're used to running, are they going to operationalize the same way. Um, so by us kind of 
being having the background and having the fortitude to invest alongside our carriers and our shippers in these assets uh, and doing some of the legwork for coordinating uh, behind those assets, we're able to uh, deliver that to our shipper and our carrier partners alike. And tossing it over to Shannon real quick, is that kind of the holy grail almost? I heard recently on an earnings statement that uh, one of a large trucking CEO said that 90% of their business was uh, a form of a preloaded trailer, a drop and hook, and involved the access to a trailer pool. Is that kind of the, the next level almost in terms of securing that freight instead of just slumming it up on you know live live? I think so. I think that's where you're going to see the industry move to John's point. These these small folks, and you hit it on your intro there, Thomas, they don't have access to the pools. So, it, so it's almost that you use that, that term, that sad child, like these carriers want access to those types of shippers. These carriers want that consistency in the lanes that John mentioned. Um, naturally, the large institutions we're very familiar with, they, they they have a lot of advantages, not only, you know, in their footprints um, and, and their brand recognition, um, but where, where maybe they missed the mark is, is bringing in uh, that collaboration with the small carriers and the shippers in, in a, uh, let's call it fair and reasonable um, way so that everybody in that uh, triangle, if you will, uh, can win. And I kind of want to dig into how did the collaboration start with Wabash? Like what when we're looking at trailer as a service for a lot of trucking companies. Uh, you know, trailer pools are kind of a foreign idea. Like, how, how, does, uh, how does this process work and what, what are kind of some of the benefits? So I think when Shannon and I, you know, started thinking about creating Freyvana early on, we had uh, a short list of strategic partners and strategic initiatives that we felt like were going to be very important to building something unique and different uh, in, in the market. So Wabash has uh, been a part of, of those conversations and frankly, they gave us the ability to not do on a one-off way. And you've, you've probably reported on this, and I know your colleagues have as well, Thomas, that equipment availability uh, and access to reliable equipment has been very difficult the, the last year and a half, not, not just because of supply chain shortages, but because of the way that the market has been structured. So having that deep relationship with them, where we're able to get at scale access to, to trailers for our shipper and our carrier partners, uh, was very important. So they've, they've been a very big partner of ours. And I'm, I'm assuming it helps benefit Wabash as well, because as a trailer manufacturer, this kind of gives more outlets to to use their equipment instead of just having it sitting somewhere, right? Is that kind of the big challenge? Uh, Shannon is like getting this equipment utilized versus having it hanging out on a back lot. Yeah, if uh, they were on with us, I think what it does is it unlocks different unique value for them, even more than the utilization. If you think about it uh, more specifically, Thomas, manufacturers typically, once you're done manufacturing, you're done, right? That's the end of the line. And I think what you're seeing from trailers as a service, I think what you're seeing from their parts and maintenance divisions, I think what you're seeing in the partnership with Freyvana is their willingness to go beyond just being a manufacturer that produces a product and then is quote unquote done. And so, uh, we both, I think, share a vision for creating that efficiency and the value in the supply chain. Um, and both of us are, are, are working collaboratively to, to figure out how to unlock that, uh, which is unique, like I said. And most people want manufacturers to kind of stay in the manufacturing bucket for obvious reasons, right? There is so many people as you go downstream that, that make uh, incredible amounts of profit and revenues and returns. And I think what you see 
uh, in the innovative approach from a Wabash that you're referencing here uh, is an ability to kind of break that mold and go beyond. Um, and, and, and hey, I, I think the other thing is the way that John, myself and our team show up uh, provide some benefits to, to bringing that to light as well. And so that's where it's really special, really unique uh, and something we're really proud of uh, and, and excited to see where we take it. So that's what, like, I thought it was really interesting you brought up, and uh, if you want to talk about when the OEM manufacturers for trailers finish, to them, after it's off the line, it's someone else's game. So this is like one of the first times we're seeing a trailer maker say, hey, I can do more with this, but I need to find carriers and people who will actually use this. So this is kind of uh, this is where these partnerships are coming in, right, is just getting more involved is because I see it with class eights. We hear it with Daimler and a few other folks. They're trying to, some folks are attempting to do more uh, outside of the traditional realm. Is this where trailers are starting to finally see uh, there, there's gold in them, their hills? Yeah, Shannon mentioned no, no load moves around the U.S. Without a, without a trailer, right? It needs a tractor, it needs a driver as well, but it does need a trailer to, to do that. So I think as they look at the shipping and the transportation ecosystem, um, they are looking to establish recurring revenue streams for their business that go beyond just the, the one and done sale of, of an asset for a certain price. And they make a set margin when, uh, when it moves that single time versus having recurring revenue streams. So when they talk about trailers as a service, service does mean they're looking to participate in different ways uh, further down the shipping ecosystem path. And this is part of that, putting trailer pools at um, you know, good shipper partners with consistent load flows that benefit uh, from having those assets and a uniformity of assets uh, that they can they can rely on their partners with. I want to dive in on good shipper partners because I remember when I worked at uh, US Express, uh, we had lots of trailers at places, but some of the shipper partners uh, were not always as good with either loading it on time or actually unloading the equipment. Are, are there anything as you all have trailers, you're looking to make these partnerships and set up the pools, is there any red flags or a checklist or best practices you look at to say, hey, I really want to invest in soliciting these folks first over maybe somebody else? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a solicitation, Thomas, and this is where the other parts of our model with the trust and transparency kick in. It's being very forthright about how you're modeling the opportunities, how you're pricing the opportunities, sharing the information um, for how those opportunities are playing out once you've kicked them off. So I wouldn't say it's selecting them on the front. I think it's just being honest and open with your shipping partners on here's what we're showing up to the table with. Here's how we're going to operate. Here's what we're accountable to. And then as we review that stuff with our shipping partners, being willing to address some of those inefficiencies and some of those problems that if we're being honest, the shippers are fully aware of. Um, but in an opportunistic kind of combative type relationship, it's just kind of tit for tat and who's going to get the best over each other. And for our model, the way we show up is kind of all cards on the table. We're working through that with shippers. They, they may not be super efficient. They may have 12 times they're extended. But part of our agreements and part of our initial conversations make sure we address how we're going to handle that as a team. And then now we're working as a partner to add efficiency and creativity to that instead of just trying to maximize our margins, which, hey, there's nothing wrong with that, except sometimes the solutions get lost uh, in each party trying to take advantage of each other, maybe get the best of one another. And so that's the different approach. That's where trust and transparency plays itself out. And from a shipper perspective, I would tell you, uh, very refreshing for a lot of our shippers to see how we operate, the information that we share, and some of the solutions we're solving. So that's why, you know, on our growth path, we're really excited because that between the carriers and the shippers, we're providing a, a solution um, that's checking a lot more boxes than just the equipment availability that John mentioned. 
And kind of throwing it over to John as well, when I used to be a broker, the joke used to be race to get your first RFP. I'm finally on the list for the RFP. I finally made it. And then they don't know what an RFP is because half of them just came out of college. But, you know, so coming up with that transparency and having that experience, was there anything when you all used to work at, uh, you know, Night Swift with trailer pools, understanding the business, uh, is that kind of where coming from that background gives these customers a little bit more of a warm fuzzy as well? Or was there any cool takeaways from your previous experience? Yeah, I think our our, um, our operational awareness of, of, of not only how to run and manage assets, but how to show up in RFPs allows us to have a depth of transparency where if we showed up and said, hey, we're losing money on this lane and made it our unique problem, that doesn't, that doesn't show that doesn't show up in a great way. So having uh, showing up in a way that we've, we've done our work on turn times, on holdups, on whether or not trailers are being used for storage solutions versus the way that we discussed in the RFP, we're allowed to be collaborative we're allowed, and we're able to be um, useful in figuring out a problem together rather than just showing up and, and delivering a problem. So there's certainly a lot of that background that's allowed us to have very constructive conversations with our customers before we're doing the business, while we're doing the business, and as it continues to progress forward and grow. And I feel like, yeah, sorry, Shannon, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I think what John's hitting on, just that key is alignment, right? And you mentioned some of the large institutions, some of the companies that are maybe uh, heavily VC backed, those that have uh, shareholders, Let's be honest, their, their alignment, their interests, they're not always on the same page. And so you have those competing interests that are constantly pulling at what we believe is the, the true uh, value and the efficiencies that are out there. And so I think that's the biggest takeaway from a previous life to here, um, being structured the way our, uh, having the partnerships that we do, um, we're not compelled to answer to those particular shareholders uh, answer to the VC companies, like we can truly build a solution uh, and a platform that we believe uh, is advantaged. Uh, and because, you know, we don't have some of those other interests. Um, and so our pool, our, 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 like our reason for being is very pure in that. Um, and I think it shows up when, when you talk about the sentiment of both our shippers and the carriers. Well, I mean, you're approaching, because um, coming from like, when I came from my startup, I noticed that there are two different types of startups. Like the one I came from, the founder, the people who were funding it were like, hey, you're making money. We don't have to deal with you as much, so I'm not going to do as much silly stuff versus the people who have no product and a, and a burn, a runway. And so is that kind of a thing where a lot of these, these startups, even freight tech startups, they're kind of at a disadvantage because there's almost like an easy bake oven. You have three to four years. You got to get these milestones. You got to get the Series A, the B, the IPO. Uh, does that allow you all kind of that advantage to say, look, I'm going to go at this pace. I'm consistently moving up uh, versus having to feel that pressure. Well, don't forget, don't forget about after the IPO, you get to continue the creative marketing and then you get to let go a certain percentage of your staff. Like that's all part of the story now. Right. So um, I'm just be a little cheeky, but that's kind of how what we've seen <laughs> play out um, as you continue to hit that burn and maybe not be able to have the sustainable uh, margins, profits, and revenue streams that you thought would, would support it. I'm sure John got his thoughts too, but that's, I just wanted to highlight that as well. Yeah, we, we've got a lot of respect for anyone that gets in the arena and tries to start a business and, and make something happen, regardless of whether it's, it's um, you know, a grow-at-all-cost startup, whether it's someone that's bootstrapping and, and, and building a family organization, or whether it's someone that's trying to do something different um, and, and kind of ride that middle spine. I think for, for us, 
we want to build things that are sustainable for five, 10, 20 years. So we do grow with, with profits in mind, with profits at the forefront. Uh, but as Shannon hit it before, reasonable. So the way you can think about that, Thomas, is when we do put trailers in, we look to recognize that some of those large carriers do charge a premium for that product. We try to look at it, charge a fair premium to make sure that the assets are taken care of from a cost and a maintenance uh, and upgrade and upkeep and a replacement perspective. Um, and then to the carriers that aren't putting in trailers and are getting good turn times on the equipment, we want to make sure that that fair is fair as well. We show those profits on both sides. Um, we're very transparent with it. It allows us to, to exist in a place where there's measured and fair profitability um, along with growth. And I think, like I said, there's a ton of respect for anyone that gets in and tries to figure things out in transportation, especially with all the moving parts and all the headaches. Um, and we just try to do it in a really specific way. And we, we improve every quarter. We improve every year as we as we move forward. I want to talk about turn times. A lot of people who aren't from a large asset-based carrier, maybe a customer, you don't think about how many trail? What if I have three trailers, a three to one ratio? And so am I getting all the turns? Am I using this equipment? Uh, is that something where I'm going to preface this? When I was a load planner, I used to use Skybits and I had to see, is it is it empty? Is it being used as storage? Do I need to be combative and yell at somebody? Uh, is, is that something that you all are working on? Or is there a technology or is that kind of a, a great outlet to say, hey, we're going to be very upfront with it. But at the same time, here's where you're falling behind because a lot of these customers don't even know oftentimes how bad some of their facilities are for using the equipment. Yeah, and that's where that back end tech back end and front end technology plays itself out, right, Thomas? So we, we all of our trailers are outfitted, so we have full tracking capabilities, which is great, right? So you get the breadcrumbs, but with the load sensors, you also know the empties and the loaded. You can do the yard reports and there's there's ways that we're connecting with our shippers. So we're taking a lot of that manual nature of that piece of it, the tracking, which there's a lot of solutions out there, there's cell phones, but but quite honestly, cell phones have their issues. So do the trailer, but we would kind of look at like the waterfall. So we can take all that tracking information and, and bundle it together. Um, and at the same time, we're able to do the, the loaded and empty. So when someone's using your trailer as a storage trailer or it's sat within a geofence for X period of time, that's information that we're able to share freely um, and, and highlight that when we do our QBRs and have our customer conversations and follow up. So that technology is critical if you think about it. If you have technology that doesn't work efficiently, then you lose those data pieces. You don't trust in the information. I mean, if you definitely, if you don't have the technology, then imagine how challenging it would be uh, to roll up uh, a network, even at the size we're building, but even larger uh, without it would, would, would be incredibly manual and, and, and inefficient, so. I still remember like yard reports as well. So I remember, yeah, you're asking, hey, did you get the recent you yard reports? that come out? Yeah, you know what it is. <laughs> it's in a SharePoint and only one person knows how to use the SharePoint. So you keep them around and then everyone else like, that was uh, half my life. I want to think about real quick. Uh, I like the, because con- a lot of people don't see the turn times. They don't see the, the nuts and bolts behind it. Um, if I'm dealing with some of these trailers and you want to have these, the conversations with a customer, how is, uh, what's the best way to approach with inventory levels? Is this something where, as you guys are having these conversations and relationships, uh, is there the expectation that things may get better or worse? Or is it just on a customer by customer basis in terms of the fear of using my trailers, my DC's filled, and I'm going to use these trailers as like storage, which has happened to me a lot of times, unfortunately. (laughs) Well, I think for, for us, Shannon mentioned like the collaborative relationships with the customers and moving beyond just showing up on spot boards, getting a chance to have an RFP. What, what real collaboration looks like for, for us and our shippers, Thomas, is having conversations up front on how something's going to be operationalized. 
So having that discussion and understanding the problem they're trying to solve so we can put in place solutions that actually solve it. Uh, and when when those conversations uh, end up being more aspirational than, than grounded in what's happening, that is where the technology and circling back with customers to have a conversation around, hey, we were modeling a, a two loads per trailer per week for this. We're not getting those turn times. Here's what we're seeing on some of the storage solutions. If you need that, we can we can work with it or or bow out of part of the business. Um, but we want to make sure that we're very, very upfront. So I think trying to understand it on the front end, having the technology and, and the, the management rigor to stay with it week to week is important. And then circling back and uh, identifying changes where changes need to be made is, is core. And this goes to the shipper as well as with the carrier and understanding their experience, too. I think that's what makes so uh, your your business model is so fascinating to me because uh, when I worked as a broker and account executive for some uh, for some large brokerages, you don't have those kinds of conversations. You normally it's much more shoot from the hip. Uh, if I'm going to start a trailer pool, I got to find a carrier. You get the email blast, all 1,000 brokers saying, "Hey, does you have a carrier who can do this and give me some trailers?" And so, uh, have you all noticed that when you're having these conversations, does that make a difference with the customers They're approaching it from like a large carrier, but as a broker instead of yeah. uh, ground up? Yeah, because as that email comes out, then that's same carrier you talked thomas unfortunately has talked to five other brokers and now you're all coveting the same trailer pool and it's just very clunky right uh, for us it's a very clean design um, all of our trailers are logos branded have the technology so it's very operationally efficient when you put them on the yard um you know to your point different types of conversations the things that that frees up operationally for the shipper um is just the, the clarity of what they're loading, what they can load. It doesn't look like a uh, uh, just spread out all over with all types of different logos. Well, but this one is Thomas's carrier, but it's not. The name on the side isn't. And so by showing up the way we've designed the trailers, logoed the trailers, invested in the technology package on the trailers, definitely have some clarity. And it changes the conversation uh, when you're working with shippers because, you know, we, you mentioned COVID and some of the effects like, uh, the warehouses were an area that was incredibly impacted. And so by showing up with a, a unified trailer pool uh, that is easy to use, gives them flexibility on those live load appointments that to your point in a past life for both of us, we, we leaned heavily on um, and really changes the conversation on flexibility, utilization, uh, and some of the components that we really drive our business now here at Freyvana. And kind of wrapping up, you've got one partnership with Wabash. Is there anything you can talk about that's on the horizon? What do you all are expecting as you're growing? What are some things that uh, if you had a wish list that you want to kind of snag or work on? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a list of other potential strategic partnerships we have in the future. But I think we're leaning in heavily over the next 12 to 18 months with our customers to work on tailor fit solutions um, that work for them, whether it's low, low volume lanes in their routing guide or finding different approaches that work. Like we think we know what works well um, for, for trailer pools, right? In regional fleets or in uh, triangles, different places. I think leaning in and figuring out products uh, that work for our customers and may work for a couple of them that we can really roll out uh, to other large shipper partners uh, is, is gonna be a big part of what we lean in on. I'd, I'd like to hear what Shannon uh, has to add to that for the, for the next uh, year. Yeah, I didn't have any breaking news. Like NASA hasn't called us or anything. Yeah. Um, but uh, that would be cool if they did. Uh, no, I just look. We we want to be students, uh, similar to you, Thomas, and we've had multiple conversations. Just just really students in the industry. And 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 John said it on on the intro. 
Like we really designed this business to show up differently in a variety of ways, trailers being one of them. Um, we feel like there's so much opportunity. It's a huge ocean. Um, and so as we continue to kind of stay in that pocket and scale, um, you know, markets will change. Freight markets will change, right? Markets are down, but like historically, like you look at it, the, the spot market's kind of out where like the five-year average, but peak season's coming. And guess what? Like trailers are important during peak season um, and, and, and for multi-cycles. So we're very confident making the investments um, and, and we're lucky to have the partnerships we do to, to enable us to, to, to go at the scale we are. Um, and I think, I think, you know, early stage, we're, we're, we're excited about it, but we got a lot of work left ahead of us. Well, I'm super excited. Thanks again for coming on, gentlemen. I'm hyped to watch how it grows as well, because this is definitely something that's unique as we all sort for our own version of Nirvana. Luckily, though, we have Freightvana, so the freight part is covered. I love you. Thanks, Thanks Thomas. Appreciate you, man. Thank you all so much. Uh, you can check them out as well at uh, www.freightvana.io, or you can just search for Freightvana. Uh, they're wonderful guys down there, guys and gals. Uh, and they're working on some amazing, amazing stuff. So that's going to be it for this episode of Loaded and Rolling. It also gets turned into a podcast, Spotify, Apple. Uh, you don't get to see me move my hands around as much, but if you're a listener, I appreciate it nonetheless. Uh, you can also check us out, tv, uh, tv.freightwaves.com for Loaded and Rolling. We have a newsletter Wednesdays and Saturday mornings. That's going to be it, though, for today. I'm Thomas Watson. Join us next week because we'll do it live. <laughs>